We're going to begin this afternoon in Psalm 27. Psalm 27. We're going to notice the first six verses. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Now the psalm we considered this morning, Psalm 8, wherein David asked, What is man that God is mindful of him? Is the reason he could later pen the words we just read in Psalm 27. As we read those words, we see the imagery of battle. We hear words like enemies, foes, army, war, and uh, trouble. Now it is clear that David was having trouble. It is very clear that that David was in a difficult situation, but it is just as clear that David, even in the midst of battle, still had hope. He had hope. The English poet, G.K. Chesterton, he said, There is no medicine like hope, no incentive so great, and no tonic so powerful as expectation of something better tomorrow. Emily Dickinson said, Hope is a thing with feathers that perches in the soul. Pliny the Elder wrote, Hope is the dream of a waking man. And Martin Luther said, Everything that is done in the world is done by hope. The dictionary describes hope as to have a wish to get or for something to happen or to be true, especially something that seems possible or likely. Now, of course, from the world's point of view, hope is just that. It's something for which we we have a desire or a wish. It's a longing for something that may or may not take place. That's what hope is to the world. But the Bible teaches a very different definition of hope. Jeremiah said, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Jeremiah seventeen seven. The world says hope is just a fleeting desire. But the words used for hope in the Bible tell a very different story. They teach hope to be settled confidence that God will keep His promises. That's what hope is. The title of the sermon this afternoon is Having Hope Even in the Battle. We all have battles, but do we all have hope? Do we rest in the sure confidence God will do just as He has promised to do that we read about in the Bible? If one is going to be victorious in the battles of this life, he must have hope. But there's one thing we have to consider. There's one thing that we need to understand 
And that is from where does that hope come? If we're going to be victorious, we've got to have hope, but we need to understand and know something about it. What is that hope and from where does it come? We have hope in this life because of the confidence that we have in God. That's going to be our first point. We have confidence in God, and through that confidence in God, we are able to have and to maintain hope. Exactly what is there about God that we have confidence? Well, first of all, as we notice the the psalm, we have confidence in the person of God, who He is. David began his psalm by declaring his faith in the personal attributes of the Lord. Now, notice what those attributes were. Three times he used the word my in verse 1. He said, the Lord is my light, my salvation, and my strength. Those are great blessings that we see in those three divine attributes. As a light, God delivers His people from darkness. Notice what Paul said, Colossians 1.13. He said, God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of His Son, uh, in the kingdom of the Son of His love. So we are conveyed from that. Paul also said we're translated out of darkness into light. He is our light. As salvation, God delivers His people from defeat. We win. That's the bottom line, isn't it, for faithful Christians? Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in Him who sent me has everlasting life, and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. John 5, 24. Here's the wonderful news. Salvation. God is salvation. And God secures our souls. Notice what Peter said to the faithful. He said the faithful are kept by the power of God. 1 Peter 1, 5. Through faith, for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Finally, he said God is our strength. God delivers his people, doesn't he? Paul said, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-seven. Because of these attributes, we have confidence in God. That causes us to have hope. We understand that. In the person of the Lord is someone in whom we can trust. That's what hope is based in. It's not a shot in the dark. But we have hope in His person and we have hope in His performance. In the psalm, David declared his present hope in the Lord rested on that which he had done in the past. Isn't that how hope works? I can recall throughout my life growing up and into adulthood, I had faith in my father. When he told me something, I understood that's the way it was going to be because of what he had done in the past. I built that faith and trust in him based on what he had done. Not on some shot in the dark. He had a paper trail. We have that with people, don't we, in whom we trust. We uh, we can, can see where they've been in life. We can see the things they've done. And that's what God has provided for us. We can follow him through the history of humanity and we understand He is faithful to us, and in that, we can have hope. It's his performance, right? That's what allowed David to fight Goliath and win. That's what allowed uh, uh, Daniel to be able to stand up against uh, 
those who hated him and continue to live the way he lived and to worship God the way he worshiped God and still face down uh, those who tried to harm him, even though he was cast into the, the lion's den. God told Malachi, he said, For I am the Lord, I do not change. See, we, say, we serve that same God. God doesn't change. He's told us what we need to do. He's told us what happens when we do it. He's told us what happens when we don't do it. There's no reason not to obey Him because we serve an unchangeable God. The writer of Hebrews declared, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8 You see, our hope comes from the confidence that we have in the person and the performance of God. And it comes also from the commitment that we have in Him. Can you have confidence in anything you're not really committed to? No matter what it is. If you're not committed to it, there's no way to have confidence in it. David was committed to loving God. He was going to put that first and foremost in his life. In fact, he said he wanted to spend his life in the house of God. He wanted to be in the place where God dwelled, where His presence was real. He wanted to be around God. That's his desire. And he repeated that desire in Psalm 84, 1 through 4. Notice in that psalm, David envied the birds who built their nests around the tabernacle because they could be in close proximity to where God's presence dwelled. And David couldn't. He couldn't be there all the time, but they could. And he he envied them for that. He had a, a desire to be where God was. See, that's called commitment, isn't it? We have that toward our families. We want to be where our families are. We are committed to them. We have a trust in them. We can uh, uh, be who we are around them, right? Because we know that they have our best interest in heart. David said he wanted to behold the beauty of the Lord. He wanted to see His face. Not only was David committed to loving the Lord, he said, I want to worship the Lord. He wanted to sing songs to Him. And that He was worthy of that goal. See, God is worthy of worship. That was one of the issues that we read about in the book of Job, isn't it? The the battle was not between Satan and Job. It was between Satan and God. He says, you're not worthy. Job worships you only because of what you give Him, not because of who you are. And then, of course, the, the whole book unfolds and we, di- we discover in there that Job worshipped God because of who he was. Not because of what he did for him, because it was gone. It was taken away, right? You see, that's the way David felt. He said, I worship you because that's what I want. He was committed. He loved him. And that should be the goal of, of every believer, to worship God because he is who he says he was and is. That's the whole point, isn't it? One's commitment to loving God provides hope as we engage the battles of this life. And our commitment to leaning on the Lord provides hope for us. We love Him, and God expects us to lean on Him. That's part of life, isn't it? We expect our families to lean upon us as as we do things for them, and that tells us something, doesn't it? They want to lean upon us because they trust in us. David expressed his desire to call on the Lord, to commune with God, and to make his requests known to the Heavenly Father. 
I think that's another image of worship. We go to God in prayer, one of the greatest blessings that we have in this life. And David declared his utter dependence upon the very things that he needed in this life. We can go to to the, the shepherd's psalm, right? Talk about being led by the still waters, having a table prepared for him in the presence of his enemies. God provided all the necessities of this life. You see, like David, we have to look beyond our own abilities. We have to look to God and see the limitless provisions God has given to us. And we need to understand that's the source, right? We didn't do it on our own. God blessed our efforts, but without God it would have never happened. And that's not just physically either, is it? That's spiritually. Most importantly, that is spiritually. And because of that, we should want nothing more than to call upon God when we need the things of this life. You know, it's very interesting that prior to teaching the disciples how to pray, Jesus explained to them that God knows your every need, Matthew 6, 8. He already knows what you need. So when we look at that, perhaps the question may be, well, why do we need to ask God for anything? He already knows what we need. Notice what Paul said in Philippians 4, verse 6. He said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God wants us to demonstrate to Him and to others our dependence upon Him. That's necessary, isn't it? He wants us to come to Him recognizing He is the source of all things, asking Him for those things that we need. He wants us to ask for our daily bread, doesn't He? He wants us to ask to be led in the ways of righteousness. He wants us to pray for the kingdom that's here now. He wants us to do that because as we do that, we are recognizing Him as the source of all things that are good. That's what James said. All good and perfect gifts come down from the Father of lights. Again, in who is no variableness nor shadow of turning. God does not change. In other words, God expects us to commit to leaning on Him. And if we can do that, that provides hope. That provides hope. The Christian gains hope through confidence in God. The Christian gains hope through commitment on God and in God. And also, the Christian gains hope through the comfort that God provides. That's our third and final point. God has provided, in the psalm we read, a sheltered place. David said he has provided a sheltered place. David spoke of being hidden in God's pavilion. Now, that's a word we do not normally uh, use on a regular basis. We use the word pavilion. And in my mind, whenever I think of a pavilion, I think of maybe the World's Fair or some kind of a fair, and you have a tent or something like that, and that's kind of what a pavilion is. That's not exactly what David was talking about. It's very similar. It is a huge tent. But a pavilion was a tent that was erected in the middle of an army's encampment. That pavilion was the tent where the king was, surrounded by all the soldiers. In fact, when they went to battle, 
That was the safest place on the battlefield. If you could be in that pavilion where the king was, you were protected. And not only that, those who were fortunate enough to be invited there were not only protected by the army, they were entertained by the king. They were welcomed into his pavilion. The word hide here means to treasure away. God will hide us away. We have been hidden in his pavilion. Now, what that intends is that if we allow him, God will treat each of us as treasure. And he will provide for us everything that we need. You see, the assurance that we have of of his sheltering place allows us to weather the storms of this life. It's all uh, indicative of protection, isn't it? God wants to protect us, and within that whole idea, we have hope, and that allows us to have hope. Again, we go back to the protection when David faced Goliath, when the three youths faced the fiery furnace, when Daniel faced the lion's den. What about Paul? 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, when he was being mistreated, when he was being beaten and savaged and he was operating under the penalty of death, he still had comfort and he still had hope. And it is that same hope which allows each of us to face battles today. Nothing has changed. David had hope because of comfort in that sheltered place. But he could also find comfort and security. David had the hope of God hiding him in his tabernacle and setting him up on the high rock of safety. What's the rock? Well, the rock's our Lord, right? He is unchangeable. He is powerful. He is immovable. David spoke of the rock of safety in Psalm 40, 1 through 2. Paul reminded the Corinthians uh, as the Jews traveled through the wilderness, they were They were uh, provided for by that rock. He said that rock is Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. If faithful, the Christian is promised a place of refuge. That is security, isn't it? Security from this world. Security from the bad things that have happened. All we have to do is to be faithful. Because the things of verse 5 in our passage are passive, meaning Things were done to David by God instead of David doing them himself. Here's what people in the the religious world say. They say that there's nothing required on the part of the believer. Those things were all done to David. David didn't have to do anything. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. That's absolutely false. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? Well, what it means to wait on the Lord is to wait patiently for His return in obedience. When we wait on the Lord in obedience, we are doing the necessary things He's asked us to do. We're not doing the things He's asked us not to do. We we live life in an obedience to Him as we wait and serve on the Lord. I think these are some great lessons to consider as we fight the battles of this life. You know, we have to have hope. When we face battles, we have to have hope. If we don't have hope, there's no way we can win the battle. Do we have a deep, settled confidence that eternity will be worth the problems this life has to offer? We need that deep, settled confidence and that hope because we know God will do what He says He will do. From where does our hope come? If we're going to have hope, we need to understand 
some fundamentals about it. If we lack hope, the hope that God wants us to have, we can gain it. We can gain it this very day. It's always available as long as we have life in our bodies. How do we do that? How do we gain hope? Well, we need to reaffirm our confidence in the Lord if we've lost that. We need to renew our commitment to the Lord if it has waned. And we need to rest in the comfort of the Lord. But there's only one way to do that. We have to be faithful. If we're not faithful, we can't do any of those things. But that's what God expects us to do. If you have need to answer the Lord's invitation this afternoon, let that be known as we stand and as we sing.